I'm Alexandra Kreis and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. In my own search for self-understanding, I have met people from all walks of life. I bring to you a taste of these encounters. Welcome to Auto Travel in a Journey. Um, I'm here today with my mentor and guest, Kate Stillman. Hello, Kate. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Alexandra. I'm really glad to be here. Yes, I'm glad you made time in your busy life. You have become somewhat of a really big entrepreneur. And for those who, of you who haven't heard about Kate Stillman, she is the founder of Yoga Healer, which came to life around 2001. And then out of that company grew the idea of making the Dinarcharya, this is an Ayurvedic term, um, turning it into something that people can grasp more. And uh, to life came the Yoga Health coaching program. That was your, the, your next big step in 2012, as I read it. And I came on board 2015, so I'm glad I caught you early there, <laughs> that I could swim along in the sea with your knowledge that then manifested in another publication, Beyond Body Thrive, which is the book that belongs to Yoga Health Coaching. This is The Master of You, which is very recent. How recent is that, really? Yeah, uh, March 2020. March 2020 was uh, published by uh, Sounds True, which is one of my favorite publishers. I always like to go there. It's like the reliable source, I think, for, for those of us on a spiritual path. So congratulations on that, that you really can. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, Kate, we are here together to kind of have a, have a little bit of a nosy insight in what kind of made your life pivot around it into helping other people and you know what's your inside scoop so to speak what is it that that really kind of gets you propelled forward mm. Mm. yeah I, as a as a teenager i really woke up to my own privilege mm. uh, and as a global citizen i woke up to you know what, what was going on here on the on on the ecosystem of of planet earth and those, you know, those two realizations around like, I'm super privileged to even understand what I understand about this situation right now and humans relationship to, to our global ecosystem and to our local ecosystems and, and to each other. And, and my sense that, you know, like not, like not that many people who have the privilege were like really willing to to do something about it. But I had been exposed to people who really had, who really were. And mm. I like those people. Mm. Like I, I am just on an intellectual basis and on an integrity basis, mm. I felt a deep alignment to, mm. you can make a difference. And it requires people stepping up to make a difference. And, you know, a lot of people are in, into what George Harrison says, you know, the I, me, my, all through the day, I, me, my, I, me, my, I, me, my. And I, I didn't yeah. want to be part of the problem. I wanted to be part of the solution. Wow, that's something very big. I mean, uh, to mind comes, I don't know what age you were, but I'm thinking immediately Greta Thunberg, you know, and what she is kind of going through and where she feels like in the same shoes as you, you know. Did, 
did that awakening or this kind of noticing of privilege, did that, um, how shall I say, not hurt you? But I feel when I listen to Greta, there is a whole lot of compassion in there and a whole lot of pain that she's not willing to carry on the way she sees the world. Would you say something similar happened to you emotionally or uh, what kind of really shook you about it um, when you say privilege? Well, with privilege, it, I was brought up in a, you know, I'm an American and Americans have a consumer society. Uh, mm. And just the, like what we consume is, it, it really comes from a, you know, a lot of it just comes from corporate manipulation and corporate messaging. And so for me, it was just like, why are we buying, like people are telling us what bands to listen to, what stuff to buy. And it just all seemed, you know, it, it, it just all seemed a little just to, you know, just seemed very superficial um, and like sleepwalking to me. Yeah. Uh, what age? And so the pain of, yeah, the pain of waking up is like, you know, I mean, anyone that, that has a, a child or spends time with children and they're like, tell me what's going on with, with global warming. It's like, there's a very real, very painful conversation. Uh, and that's what it, that's what it was, except for I was in there was a lot of denial because I was a child and I was born in 73. So a lot of this was happening in the eighties, in the 1980s, a lot of people were really in denial. Um, I mean, yeah. many people are still in denial about the human impact on, on planet earth here yeah. uh, in the eighties. Like we're, you know, we, we, there were forecasts that went to 2020 that shows that like by 2020, we will, you know, the planet will really be experiencing the impacts of global warming. And, you know, more or less, when I think back to those predictive models, it's more or less just, you know, played out the way they thought it was going to play out, which is pretty fascinating just from, you know, science data and modeling yeah. then yeah. Um, how accurate it, it, it was. But yeah, I mean, I, I think part of it was like, there is, there is despair, there is anger, there is denial. There's all the stages of, um, you know, it's basically like the stages of grieving is what any, any environmentalist uh, goes through. There's these, you know, and I would even say activist hmm. goes through. It's like you go hmm. through those those stages because the vision that you have for what could be, like, there's a level of grieving that that is not real, uh, yeah. and there's that, and there's the weight of that. Hmm. There's a weightiness to that, and so hmm. the, I think the power comes. It was interesting when I was when I first started studying Ayurveda. <clears throat> I remember talking. It was about 20 years ago. I remember talking to Dr. John Duyard of of LifeSpa.com, and he was like. He was really firm with me about plugging into, you know, the, the ground of being essentially of like being in the place where it is all already, it is all perfect as it is too right now. Hmm. Uh, and that, you know, in that duality of like, yes, and, uh, <laughs> and we better change the way that we're showing yeah. up every day, yes. but to really start to reside on a very deep level uh, of consciousness yeah. with with a sense of, of the great perfection. Oh, thank you. You'll answer the question that was lingering already in my uh, subconsciousness, you know, like the whole conundrum of when we start to awaken and we're coming to, we all are trying to work in, I don't, we don't need to call it awakening, but the, the people who are very self-conscious and conscious about the world, we're always trying to strive for contentment, you know, and seeing the, wor the world as it has to be the way it is, you know, <laughs> to me, that is that. And this is to me the being part, you know, and I feel, I 
I feel the tug war of going between what you said, you know, like in one way, the world is as it is, you know, and what am I about to do it, you know, and what are you about to do it, right? I mean, you come yeah. from, you come now from this idea of an environmentalist, but you are helping people right now. Where is that shift coming in for you? I mean, or where did that come in for you? Yeah, so I went into... I went into basically global warming politics and policy work yeah. first and, and then got to a realization. And I had done a lot of uh, like on my, uh, just sort of like on my own, uh, like Taoism studies. And I, I actually did study Chinese language and went to China to study Chinese political economy because being the biggest polluter, it was like, oh, I got to deal with the China problem. Uh, and so that, also brought me into into Taoism, into more of an mm. of an Asian philosophy. Uh, and then when I went to work in you know basically international environmental politics and and policy work, I realized you know I just really I deep down had the realization that it was like working with human consciousness was going to be the fastest way. Like if humans mm. could become more conscious and could become more connected to their ecosystem, then the NIMBY principle basically. Um, takes charge and NIMBY is not in my backyard. So we, we don't want, we don't want to pollute in our own backyard. So as the, as the more we understand that our ecosystem is our backyard, that the entire planet is our backyard, that starts to become activated. So it's like spheres of care where first people care for, you know, themselves and then they care for their family and then they care for their tribe and then they care for their yeah. nation state and then they can care for like a conglomerate nation states and then they care for the whole damn planet, yeah. right? Um, it's the same thing with NIMBY, you know, it's like you start to have greater and greater desire to the higher level of consciousness you have, the more you see the whole earth as your home yeah. and you start to care. So I was like, I'm going to work directly with human consciousness. And that, that really brought me into Ayurveda and yoga wow. as the, to me, the most developed systems of, of human consciousness. I'm, I am really perplexed. I mean, I think we, I always think we're coming from two ends of different sticks, the two of us, when we, you know, when we, th when I hear your evolution, I think about mine because what I see in you is tremendous courage, you know, like that courage to say, I'm, I go to China, the biggest polluter. And I would go like, I go to the smallest part of the world, you know, and try to find to fix it, at, you know, that way. And you go into the biggest part. This is amazing. So you, you are, don't seem to be a person that is easily disheartened or what is the scoop on, on that idea that I'm just saying here? I think too. I mean, I, I think it does actually go back to privilege. It's like there's, uh, you know, part of that accepting of of my own privilege was accepting that like I could probably do whatever I wanted. Like I could probably make, you know, I could probably figure out how to make it happen. Just having enough know how to access resources and people and gain new skills and and whatnot. And so, yeah, I think, you know, when I think back to all the, you know, all the little all the little decisions, there definitely was a sense, if I look back, there's just a very strong sense of, of Dharma, a sense of like, if not me, then who? And there, there's some reason that I'm really interested in this. I'm really interested in, in bigger solutions. And I also just want to say, like, I constantly surrounded myself with people who were solutions oriented, like people who were big picture thinkers, people who were trying to solve the big problems. 
Um, and yes, I had to pursue those relationships with those people and they were interested in me because I was interested in being part of the solution. Yeah. So there's a little bit of, you know, law of reciprocity of, you know, of energy that naturally happens there. Um, but yeah, you know, if I hadn't had that, I probably would have been like everyone else and just like, you know, mm. done whatever. Stroke of luck to be I mean, I know these principles because I studied. No, them. it really wasn't luck. Like when I look yeah. back, I, it was very action oriented. So me and my best friend in high school started a group called Students Concerned About Tomorrow, and that, and we really went after finding support for that group and finding. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day, actually. Uh, just wanting to reach reach out to one of our advisors who was the librarian at the time who was really waiting for these privileged white kids mm. uh, to wake up and to become <laughs> activists and when we did <laughs> she stepped in and she she really got us in touch with the um, superintendent of schools and our own headmaster was like just totally asleep at the wheel um, and we met with him and he was disinterested and and just mm. honestly just like very negative um, and so we went above him. And so, and this is a, this is a very dominant characteristic of people who are successful is when they, when they get a no and they know on the inside that they need a yes, is they find the yes in another way. And usually they go above it. They go above where the no's coming from. Uh, and I did that first when I was, I think, 16, uh, 16 years old. And wow. we found the superintendent was a yes. Hmm. And he had a mass, you know, he had a whole district of schools. I think there were six schools under him. He helped us start recycling in all those six schools and do, you know, Earth Day environmental education programs and like all, all the things. Uh, and then that put us in touch with other, uh, with a group called Mass Hope, which was, I lived in a state called Massachusetts and mm. Hope stood for high schools organized to protect the earth. So we met other really great leaders there that were inspiring kid leaders and also adult leaders. And then they got us and actually we got our senator uh, to, to who's Senator John Kerry. Uh, he, he was, he later became, uh, you know, a much bigger player in the U S government. Mm -hmm. uh, but in any case, like we were able to push ideas through and get a lot of support at, you know, even at our, you know, at, at our state governance hmm. level. And hmm. then that set me up to go to a, a really good college. And then at that college to find people that could really, that were really, you know, thinking on this level and needing students to lead the way. Cause those programs were actually in the early nineties were pretty underdeveloped hmm. compared to what they are hmm. right now. Um, so it, it is a bit of like how one, you know, it's like when you're clear, when like you're clear on Dharma and you don't take no for an answer, and you don't look for the easy way in or the easy way out, uh, doors will open and the right people, the right people will come forward. But it's persistence and grit. <laughs> and you often strike me as a, a person that is not so highly involved in an emotional playing field, you know, like when I think of um, Lama Rod Owens, you know, he talks through how he grew into his dharma as much through his anger through this emotion you know and me being an emotional person i'm always looking to like oh what is that like if you're not emotional or am i getting you wrong at this point is it was it just your your mm -hmm. understanding and that okay this needs to be done kind of way yeah i think there was yeah i think i, I was angry i definitely was angry mm. uh I would have conversation. My dad uh, 
likes to play devil's advocate and he was an international businessman. Yeah. And uh, he just was totally unconscious about the effect of humans on, on the earth. He's much more conscious of about it now, which to me indicates a, a change in culture, especially in, uh, you know, in just like liberal, in just in liberal thinking and writing that's happened in the last 20, 30 years. Uh, but yeah, growing up, it was like, I would go to war with him every night at the dinner table and just like, <laughs> Uh, and, you know, it was really dealing with someone else's ignorance and denial. And, yeah. uh, and, it, and that was cultural at the time, too, that like he wasn't any different than, you know, any of the other dads on the street or whatnot. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think there is a there is a sense of like, you know, especially, you know, for people who who see a better potential that's worth fighting for, like it's a fight. Yeah, it's a fight. Like you, there's a lot of ignorance to overcome. The yogis are super clear about that, about the overcoming of, of ignorance, of like waking up from sleepwalking. So to me, that's super fascinating, like that that's always been, you know, that that's been happening at least for a few thousand years with, with humans in relationship to their own consciousness and culture. Yeah. And we're still not getting it right. Well, with the devices and all that, with the iPhones and the cell phones and all that, like it seems like it, it's harder than ever. It's harder than ever, right? So in, this is like, I mean, your path still seems like a big, big dharmic path spiraling forward into building this company that you have or um, this support for other people to speak up in their own voices. So multiplying voices as a domino effect, so to speak, or not, I don't even want to say pyramid, but like, you know, to, to make it, to double up the frequency. Where would you have, thought like um, you want to turn back? Where was that point where you maybe felt you were way out of your depth or where were you um, thinking I should have done this differently? Is there a point in this journey? I mean, the, <clears throat> the only, you know, when I, when I really look back, um, I think I would have had a much bigger impact if I had studied business earlier. So that you know, and, and yet it's like, who knows? Like it's so, I'm, and I'm not even, I'm not even sure if that's true because what I, I've always been studying something. And so that means I wouldn't have been studying something else, which means that I wouldn't have been studying consciousness studies and yoga and Ayurveda because that really dominated a lot of my yeah. uh, mid twenties through, through thirties. Hmm. Uh, and I went hardcore into understanding yoga and yoga therapy and yoga philosophy and Ayurvedic medicine and uh, and really working with a lot of people. So a lot of applied knowledge and helping people and understanding how bodies work and how consciousness works and habits work and how do you actually help someone shift, help their family shift? How do you activate someone into a community healer? Like there's a lot of, of learning in there. Uh, but I do, I do wish I had, I had learned a lot more around business and growing, a, you know, growing an online company, growing a team, managing a team. Uh, learning strategy earlier, uh, just because it, it, the impact would have been much greater much sooner. But I also look at, you know, I'm 47 years old and I have some sick skills, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and I have a lot of life left. So, you know, yeah. there's not really a point of like, I don't know. I, 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 didn't, I haven't spent much time uh, wandering around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Your path was pretty much carved for you, right? It sounds a little bit like that. Um, yeah, I mean, from the inside out, not from the outside in, like there was, you know, each of the steps that I took were fairly counterculture uh, 
at the time. Like I went to a, a, a college that was, was very, uh, expensive. Mm. And then out of college, I took a job that was, I was grossly underpaid, um, to do that kind of work, you know? So like it yeah. was, you know, I could barely, I could barely, you know, do anything besides like eat and, you know, work and live uh, on yeah. that. But it was very meaningful work and it was a great, it was really super great experience. Uh, and they actually let me, this is crazy, but in 1996, they let me telecommute. So at that point I started working virtually, uh, which was wow. just so far ahead of the curve, but I had seen it in my, I had a very techie family. Uh, and I had just mm. sort of seen like, Hey, this kind of, I, I needed the internet to work. Um, and that was really about it. I was doing mm. a lot of research and communicating that research. Mm. And so I, I was able to do that, which was again, a little bit counterculture at the time. And then, you know, to go and study Ayurveda and yoga full time. Uh, and I waited tables to pay my way through that. Uh, mm. After, you know, having a degree when most of my friends were going on to law school or getting their MBAs or becoming doctors, uh, go, you know, definitely going into advanced um, professional degrees, you know, and I was like, I got to go study yoga and do these four hour pranayama classes and study the Bhagavad Gita yeah. and like, and start to really understand, yeah. you know, spirituality and humans and consciousness and, and then studying Ayurveda because basically Ayurveda understood the body. And I felt like the more people could, you know, it's like the ecosystem starts in the body. Someone's mm -hmm. relationship to the ecosystem always starts with their, their relationship to the ecosystem of their own physiology. So I knew that, like I knew enough to know that, like you got to own yourself if you're going to start to own your ecosystem, if you're going to own your backyard, like if you're really going to take ownership over how things are and being part of the solution, start with the mm. body, start with yourself. And Ayurveda, like I did a lot of research because again, I had the background in China and Chinese and, you know, for me not to go into Chinese medicine and, and to choose to go into Ayurveda was again, just like really looking for what is going to answer these deeper questions. What's that is get so radical, Kate, because, you know, at the time when I started uh, studying Ayurveda, a lot of the people didn't know how to bring forth the method, you know, because um, everybody perceives TCM as being more tangible in a way, you know, there is needles and then there is so much, so many herbs and there are more Chinese people in each town and city and you have much more access to it. And you see, sometimes you see the results quicker, almost, I would say, you know, you can have an Ayurvedic massage and you can also have Ayurvedic herbs, but a lot of people studied Ayurveda initially and moved to TCM because they felt they couldn't bring their business forward or they weren't trusted enough. Why did you go yeah. against that grain? Let's say that. <laughs> Why did you go? Yeah, because I was looking for truth. I mean, I was uh -huh. looking for what helps humans become more conscious. Like how? How? Because my whole movement from pol you know, from environmental, international environmental politics into into natural health uh, was based on like, how do humans become more conscious? How do we take better care of ourselves and therefore our, our ecosystem? And so mm -hmm. from that lens, Ayurveda was second to none. And, and it's not because Chinese medicine doesn't have that. It's just the way that um, it mimicked a Western uh, allopathic model of medicine, the white coat, the doctor knows best, all that. TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, uh, mimicked that path in order to get licensure and acceptance. And mm. it worked. And it, cre it created a stable career path for, for people that wanted to practice traditional Chinese medicine. I, I, I knew I needed to help humans become more embodied and more conscious. And so from that lens, uh, 
Ayurveda was, you know, it was kind of the wild west yeah. of, of that, like where, yeah, there's no, there's no one really demonstrating a good career with it. Like that was not demonstrated. So no. there was no, you know, like, oh, you, you know, you go to law school, you become a lawyer, you go to med school, you become a doctor. It's not like you come, go to Ayurveda yeah. school and there's a career path. Yeah. Um, and the same thing was true with yoga teachers at the time. And I was in San Francisco then where like yoga was way more developed there than anywhere else in the United States. Mm. Uh, or in or, Europe. You know, that in New York. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there were a few people kind of, kind of making a okay, like not okay living as yoga teachers. Like not compared to me growing up with my dad being an international businessman and having friends that are like doctors and lawyers at this point. You know, it was like, no, uh, like this is more or less like a, <laughs> uh, a good lifestyle at about, you know, median, median poverty to median income, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where you're just getting by, being super educated and just getting by. Mm. Uh, that was really well demonstrated by a few, <laughs> few people. So I just pressed on and I knew how to have a very high quality of life on not a lot of money. And I was more interested in, in knowledge and wisdom than, you know, than material riches. One of your fondest moments in kind of going through your education in Ayurveda. Is there one you can recall? Yeah. I, you know, really the acceptance of my constitution, I think was a big mm. one. Like there was a, and for me, it was around kapha. Like for people, like there's this level of like, you know, not like wanting to be some, wanting things to be other than they are right at, at a very deep level. And so prakriti our constitution is, is like, you know, what is your constellation of, of the elements or of the forces that make up uh, those elements. And for me, there was, and I, like, the, um, I have a Jewish side and I have a Catholic side and the Jewish side I come from is very dense, is very heavy, tends towards obesity. Uh, and I had, at the time I was, I was struggling with AMA, which is accumulated waste in the body. Uh, I was struggling with, symptoms of kapha, of like the toxicity of that, you know, of that waste mm. and the stagnation in my mm. body. And I was a little bit overweight, uh, you know, compared to where I am now, I was like, I was probably 10, 15 pounds heavier. And all that was, you know, it was like a very strong muscularly, but like there was a lot of waste in my body. And there was this level of, of realizing like, okay, my constitution is, is pitta kapha. My mind is, is pitta, which is more of the, the fire, fiery focused mm. uh, overachiever and my body is very is very dense and stable and those mm. are the qualities of kapha and there's a softness to it like there's uh, even though I'm, I'm more earthy than watery there's still like a bit of a softness to my face I'm not that angular mm. uh, and there's this level of like this is who I am and and learn, like be fully in, in who you are, be fully in your constitution. And, uh, and I don't think I, that I internalized that all at once, but there was a, be a beginning of a level of, of acceptance. And when I look mm. back on that, what I really see was that um, I had been raised in a culture as a female uh, in Western culture of self-loathing. Mm. I had learned to hate my body really young, my beautiful, athletic, strong, <laughs> smart, <laughs> body, I had been entrained to self-loathe. Um, and so there was part of that in that too, of, you know, just, mm. and, and I actually think that took maybe another 15 years 
to, to really come out the other side of, um, through teaching Ayurveda and through teaching yoga, mm. being in yoga, te- you know, leading yoga teacher trainings and, you know, being in, you know, yoga classrooms and tights and a tank top, you know, where my mm. body's very exposed and showing people demonstrating with my body a lot and, and slowly over time releasing that ama. And once the ama is gone, the, the loathing and the self ama are very connected. They're very tied together. And, and so once that physical manifestation of the toxicity is gone, like I was left with a realization and reflection of like, oh, that's what that all was. Hmm. That's so, that's so stupid. Like, yeah. it's, <laughs> what a waste. It's so energetically inefficient to like entrain our young girls to hate themselves. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you haven't listened uh, to many of my um, series, but I interviewed somebody called Jessica Sanders. She's in her 20s and she came across the very same knowledge and acknowledging that why do we women hate our bodies so much? You know, why can we not accept all the forms that we come in with? And she wrote this a beautiful book, Love Your Body for Teenagers, you know, which I kind of purchased for my daughter. And she really, uh, she loved it immediately. She could, you know, she saw all the details, not only the different skin colors, but, you know, how the skin itself is different for people or for, from the girls in the drawings. And yeah, there is very little work around that. And we all have to come to our own light in that way, or we needed to, I think the your and my generation, you know, though we're not so far apart anyway. So but we needed to go through that and find all these methods to love our body. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I totally sympathize with what you're saying. And I feel connected to that as much as um yeah to jessica's work you know where she kind of shows up and does that she just kind of mm. brings out a book and now she brings out a book about like encouraging young boys to have feelings you know and to be okay mm. with that stuff so super great work i wish i could you know i sh- i think i should connect you it doesn't belong into this yeah, podcast do. Please. But, um, this is how funny it goes with these conversations but um my last question to you might be so in this evolution from environmentalist you know noticing your own dharma and really pursuing it and studying the things going through your own shit probably (laughs) in that sense you know like having to undo do ama let's call it just ama for that sake you know you arrived at a point where you came out with master of you which has another level of integrity And so what was the key element that made you write that book? And what is the vision for you in spreading that method and that work? Yeah, like a lot of, uh, a lot of my work with Yoga Healer, I would actually even say like all of my work with Yoga Healer has come out of this dynamic dialogue. So I started, when I started Yoga Healer, I was teaching Ayurvedic people about yoga and yoga people about Ayurveda. I was going back and forth between these two schools. And I naturally found that like in the conversation, uh, these bigger questions would arise and I'd be like, oh, there's a really easy way to learn that. And I would, I would simplify uh, how to learn that from the way that I had learned it, which I found was like fairly convoluted mm-hmm. <laughs> or complex, excessively complex. And so I naturally had this, uh, this gift, this pragmatic gift of taking something that's complex and making it really simple and easy and digestible. 
what happened was, you know, this dialogue evolved over time into these courses and into, and into mm. these books. Um, and at some point, because I, I did start to focus on, on building a profitable business, uh, realizing that the more, the more profitable the business was, the more successful it was, the more impact we would have. Mm. Uh, and so I really started to connect income to impact and, and get real with that, like not get wishy-washy, but get hard in the numbers with like, what does this actually mean? How big does this idea actually scale? How many lives can we actually impact? How invested do people need to be in order to do that? So I started to become uh, wealthy, <laughs> essentially. Uh, and because I was living the lifestyle, I was very committed to living the life uh, that I wanted to live. I've been very committed to that since leaving international environmental politics. I was basically woke up to like, I really want it all. Hmm. I want to have the impact I want to have. And I want to have the lifestyle I want to have. And I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to be a martyr at all. Hmm. Like I really just, I want to thrive. Uh, and so I designed my life around, you know, around my lifestyle, which includes being in the mountains and being at a surf break. Um, and and just doing what I wanted to. So being location independent, but also having beautiful homes and, and then being a mother mm. and having time, like really having a, a deep connection with, with my daughter mm. and with my partner. And so I, I started to have success on a lot of different levels, success in business and success with impact and, and just, you know, having the lifestyle that I wanted to. And I also, you know, in terms of my body, like my body seems to get, you know, it's healthy, it's aligned. Like I, I don't have, I don't struggle with weight. I don't struggle with things that I've overcome, um, allergies. I don't struggle with workaholism, like things that I've, I've really overcome in the past. And so many people were just sort of like, how do I have what you have essentially? Like how do, how do I have my version of what I want based on you knowing how to get your version of what you want? And that became Master of You where I took the five elements of Ayurveda and said that these are powers. And once we understand that these elements themselves are powers that we all have, that we can all develop within ourselves, we can get much better at seeing the vision of, of, of who we are, who we want to be next, and actually doing the, the strategic planning, which looks at the mm. critical issues and developing that into a strategy and bringing that into the field of time and then dealing with all the stuff that's going to come up when you, when you activate your vision in real time, because stuff will always come up. Yeah. Uh, and that became master of you. And it really is a field guide to like, how do you live a life of purpose of greater purpose? How do you achieve bigger goals? Even if some of them are, you know, might seem selfish, like a wealth goal or a personal happiness goal, uh, or a freedom, you know, lifestyle independence goal. Mm -hmm. Uh, but what I found in working with so many people over time is that like once initial boxes are checked, people really awaken to their greater purpose. Once they have, uh, you know, more of their material needs met, then, then they really get on with, with a much bigger vision of impact. And, and that's what that, that course is a, is a, it's a field guide too. And I have no judgment, you know, around people that have financial goals. Uh, I understand that. And I, I really understand the value of it. And so a lot of people have come to me because of that, because of setting goals and not hitting them in the past uh, and really wanting their life to just start to take off on a, on a bigger level. Hmm. Yeah. So to me, this is a combination of a going into a field of self-trust and intuition, 
prepared with, you know, that element of this is how, what I need to do instead of this is the mantra I pray and this is the, yeah. the Sangha I follow or the teacher I follow, but really to have radical steps that kind of show you the way and the way might be first in to one direction and while you're going it, it might turn a little bit, but that's okay too. You know, this is, probably where we all stumble and think like oh but I should my vision was that so self-driven sometimes you know you cannot get stuck with what I noticed with your work um we've done together or you taught me is that the the ego needs to slowly slowly surrender because if you're following your ego constantly then you get kind of you don't get the metrics right you know you don't get the numbers you don't get the targets you don't get nothing you know and you end up in self-sabotaging constantly and hopping from one project to another if you want to yeah. <laughs> until you get tired of that so yeah it's so true we had a workshop we had a two-day workshop on master of you and um, about two weeks ago and people came uh and they had this like you know their vision like this is this is my goal this is this is what i want to do next and after a a day by the, by the end of day one of 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 deep dive into that about 80% had significantly pivoted. Yeah. Wow. Um, and that's that, like, I call it unearthing yeah. your deeper dream. And like you're saying, like to get through these levels of, of ego or patterning or uh, what Vishan Lakhiani of Mind Valley he calls the rules, the bullshit rules of like yeah. basically falling into what other people want for you or your life or are culturally accepted. Um, and this, you know, this is the thing is like most people listening think, well, you know, will think like, oh, I'm free of that. But like in a one day workshop, most people coming thinking that they're free of that realize that like, whoa, what they really want when they can really listen to like you're saying to intuition, mm. when they can really get deep and, and have the time and the focus to actually consider like which way are they pointing their ship? Uh, wow, massive pivots, like 10 degrees off is a huge pivot in the destination that you actually arrive at. So if there's like a 50 degree pivot, like, whoa, it's, it's totally different. Uh, and so that is a lot of what we do is like slow people down uh, to, mm. to even being able to process mm. uh, where they actually are now, where they actually want to be in the future and start to create a better plan on getting there based on the critical issues, like the real critical issues that are going to come up. And not what I found in doing a lot of the research for this book and a lot of the training, I is not enough people spend the time that's required to actually digest the, the critical issues and to turn them into focused strategies. And that's very much what Pitta does in the body. And so because I studied Ayurveda and yoga, and I know you can relate to this, Alexandra. It's like, there's this level of, once you studied universal laws, you see that they apply to health, they apply to parenting, they apply to business, they apply to beauty care, they apply to relationship building. Like, they're, they're universal. They mm. apply to everything. Mm. So when a lot of the business strategy planning stuff I, I realized was, uh, particularly with the community that I was working with, but it was also it was also super common in business communities that people weren't taking the time to digest their critical issues. Hmm. And if we don't do that, we do not create a good strategy. And, and I realized that in the, particularly in the communities that I work more of, of, you know, people that want to make a difference, 
uh, people that are very self-driven to to see the world in a way and, and want to create the world in that in that better way that they see it, whether that's locally or in their you know their community or in the region or uh, more on an international level. Mm-hmm. I realized that if these people really aren't used to this. They're they're used to dreaming the big dream and making a plan, but that plan has not gone through the digestion process. Mm. And so the plan actually isn't a processed plan. It's not that well constructed. It, and we haven't, just to go back to what you're saying before about the emotional body, mm. there is a huge amount of emotional processing that happens mm. when you process your critical issues. There's a lot of coming up against your own uh, insufficiencies mm. to do what you actually want to do next. Uh, and that's real. And it doesn't feel good. It, um, you, you, there is this level of like, you kind of get used to it. Uh, so it's not surprising, just like anyone who's done a lot of yoga, like there's a level of burn that yeah. you, you expect to go through after a while. You get used to that. So it actually is an indicator that you're on the right track. Hmm. You're getting more real with what is. Yeah. I mean, there were so many things I could respond to. And the one thing that kind of stuck with me now when you say that is like part of that digestion process is that we don't trust what you've done all your life now that we might be going down a path that is not filled with the money arter but it might be a path that makes us totally happy and in sync with everything and it will lead to a greater liberation than chasing the big old dreams we get from you know wherever we get them in society you know from the person who is a little small, you know, guitarist and then becomes the super rock star called Bruce Springsteen or whatever it is, you know, and we're following these role models and some of them were probably true, but we never looked behind the scene. That's what I feel when I listen to you. And instead we're just seeing the outcome and we want to be with the outcome and not with what really happened for these people that they met something inside of themselves and they probably said, F it, I'm going to go for it. You know, I'm going to fall apart and fall into the pieces uh, that really resemble myself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it goes back to what we started with around like the grit, you know, and, and being with people that have done what you want to do. Like if, if you can continually look for those people and find those people, it's huge. I mean, in yoga health coaching, we've had so many enrollment conversations with people that are, you know, failing in their, they're not failing, but they're just not really able to hit their financial targets as um, as a wellness provider and mm. here like wellness is like, if you ask people like what they really, like what they value the most, they actually do value their health the most because they realize that without, that without that doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Uh, that's their quality of life. And yet there's people that really struggle to make a good living with that. And when we talk to people and we, uh, you know, in a lot of these conversations say, well, I've had a business coach or I've done, I've done an online marketing course or I've done, you know, I've done this or that. Um, and the question is, is like, did the person teaching that have the result that you wanted? Yes. And that's exactly what you're saying in that is it's like mm-hmm. when, you know, you look at someone who's really made it, uh, if that person has the result that you wanted, like it really get curious, like just you're like you're doing in this conversation of finding out, you know, what were the hard things that happened behind the scenes yeah. and that coming against your own insufficiency is a, is a constant on a growth path. It's a constant that you, you, aren't, you aren't who you need to be to do it. You don't have what it takes 
to get there it right now. It never stops. Yeah. <laughs> you better develop that and you better find yeah. the people that, that have what it takes and know what you don't know. And, and that to me is really the benefit. I mean, that's why we create the dynamic groups coaching community that we have at Yoga Healers. Cause it's like, you, we need to be in surround sound with people who've done what we're trying to do. Yeah. And what you've done instinctively to kind of level up to people that have a vision, a bigger vision, and not be with the ones that are always telling us this can't be, and you know, no, the, the old way are the golden ways, and so on and so forth. Yeah, we need that support, definitely. So yeah, we need the support, the guidance, um, the advisory. I mean, yeah. the, I mean, it's just I constantly surround myself with people who who are where I want to be next, mm. and and that's that's critical. I mean, it's just mission critical. Because otherwise, you know, what, what people end up doing is taking advice and being influenced by people who haven't gotten where, they're, where they want to go. Mm. And that is one of the most inefficient ways to <laughs> get anywhere that you want to go. And these people are real. That's what I noticed when I met my first influencers, you know, like friends that I really looked up to. And these people are super real. They know they have to sink, you know, to get back to swimming. And <laughs> I did a whole thing for your wellness pro community yesterday on that subject, you know, like you, you really need to trust that you have to sink your own ship in order for, to find your new one. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to say sink your ship, but I mean, this to me, it's almost like fun now to let go and sink in and allow the whirlwind of the dark waters to take me you know yeah well it's the breakdown breakthrough right yeah. it's like something has to die for something to be reborn i mean it's there's yeah. there's a reason that things happen in these cycles uh, yeah. and and the more we can iterate these cycles the more it's like oh that's normal that's what that was here and we need again. to have people around us saying that it's normal, not trying yes. to pretend it all should be cushy and nice and, you know, like great point filled with TV and whatever. So, yeah, <laughs> but maybe there is one sentence, maybe there's one point of advice you want to give to the listeners. I mean, we've pretty much touched upon a lot of advice, but is there one thing you want to say to my listeners? Unearth your deeper dream. Yeah. Like do it. Like that's, and, it's no joke you have it for a reason and it's yeah. there to, it's really there to guide your life. Uh, and if it's buried six feet under, it's, like, it's time to, it's time to unearth, unearth that. I think there's a free chapter at masterofview.us. If not, there will be. Uh, and so <laughs> we on, on just that chapter on yeah. unearth your deeper. And the reason we picked that, I was like, there's one way I really want to help people now. Um, it's that it's like, you, you are here to, you are here to live the best life you can. You are here to make a difference. Yeah, it's real. The, the dream is real <laughs> and it's solid once it comes up. It's more solid than all the other constructions. So I want to ask you, how do you, how has, how has working uh, with me and being in the courses, like how has that affected your deeper dream and what you're living? It, uh, yeah, well, it totally has affected my deeper dream. I didn't know that it was my deeper dream, but I spoke about it quite clearly the other day in an interview with Anna Berkelman from the enrollment team. And um, at the truth of what I always wanted and was named so many times to people who can read bodies and auras, you know, that I, I want to be a spokesperson for, you know, for the possibilities of living a life 
where you really thrive as you you call it you know or the that there is something in us there is good in us through and through you know that i really want to become that more and more and i had to go through all the pathways and had to be led until now that's what it feels like to me you know i felt like i was I needed the sangha and I needed the teachers and uh, I never dared to lead myself. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm leading, but only in, I don't even want to say copycat. I don't find it, I'm not finding a good word right now, but you know, I'm, I, I got the permission to pass on methods and they were true for me at the time. And so it was easy to pass them on. But of what I learned from you and in your courses is um, I, I credit to you and the work I, I've done with you, the very fact that you liberate people in not falling into those conventional um, mm. lines, you know, of like, um, this is one teacher and this teacher knows it all a little bit, you know, like that, but that you, the, at the core of your work is so much giving and giving into that somebody liberates themselves into their own voice. And I'm not saying that my other teachers didn't want to do that, but it didn't come through for me at all. But to, with everything you do, it's so giving, you know, like you give these workbooks and we can use them to iterate uh, and reiterate the story. But mainly what I found with the awake living then of late, you know, and with the workshops that we've done together is that, okay, now it's time to really drop the mic and go and do my own thing, you know, just go. And, and don't listen to anybody who has to say and, and who is already so wise and strong. I cannot be you, you know, I have to be me and I have, yeah. to, I have to trust that path now. So, yeah. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. And I think you're right. That's, you know, that the spokes, you know, standing up as a spokesperson and, and deciding to build your own, your own platform and do, you know, and, and really carry through your own work. It is the most, it is the most important thing that you can, we can wake up to. Yeah. And I can the only agency. bow my head to the bigger lights and the bigger people, the people like you have bigger courage earlier on to do it you know, really, you know, to forge the way through the forest. And I can, I can then take heart and think like, oh yeah, she did it. I'm going to do it too now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> if I can do it, you can do it. Yes. So thank you very much um, for coming on to the show, Kate. <laughs> My pleasure, Alex. It's been great. Yeah. And thank you, listener, for following this conversation. I hope you feel inspired. And yeah, turn towards Kate. I can only highly recommend it, as you can hear, <laughs> to if you want to ignite beyond. Um, and yeah, see you next time. If you enjoy listening to my podcast, please consider to become a patron at patreon.com slash alexandrakreis and pledge your donation.